Wants are unlimited, but resources always limited. So, how do you distribute your limited resources between your competing and potentially unlimited wants to achieve a fulfilling outcome for your life? That is what we figure out on The Money Spot. This episode is for my girlfriends and for people who are self-employed. It's on pensions, a decidedly boring topic. However, when you get to retirement and you've got money, it's not going to sound so boring. Now, we as women often lose out from getting the full state pension because we have fewer qualifying years because we took substantial amounts of time to take care of children, maybe even parents. So in this episode, I am going to try to help those that might not have this knowledge uh, get it so that they can check that they are on the path to getting the full state pension. So I often like saying that if you get nothing else right in your financial life, at least own where you live outright. That's not quite right. I think I should add that Make sure you own where you live outright and you qualify for the full state pension because qualifying for it, if you live in England, is very easy. You don't qualify for a state pension just by virtue of living here. You need to either be paying national insurance contributions so that, you know, those years are qualifying years. Basically, to get a full state pension, you need 35 qualifying years in the past You used to need 30 qualifying years, but that was bumped up to 35. A qualifying year is any year where you're actually working in a regular job and are getting paid through the pay-as-you-earn mechanism because they pay your national insurance contributions for you. Or if you are out of the labor market because you're ill or you're unemployed and hence claiming benefits, that would still be a qualifying year because you're in the system. And also if you're claiming child benefit because it shows you are having children. Um, However, if you're not doing any of these things, you would not qualify for your state pension. So, for instance, if you're a landlord and all your income is from property and you haven't signed up for class two national insurance. Class two is basically the the national insurance you're supposed to pay when you're self-employed. You don't have qualifying years which might surprise some people because you pay tax by virtue of being a landlord. However, if you're not paying national insurance separately or as part of your self-assessment return, this tax is not contributing to you becoming eligible for your pension. Um, If you're just not employed and not in the system somehow, i.e. claiming benefits or on record as being ill or whatever, it doesn't qualify. And it's actually super easy to check. I am going to put a link down below in the show notes that will enable you to check your qualification for state pension. And what you need to check is how many qualifying years you've got, whether you've got gaps in your qualifying years, and whether you can make up for those gaps. Typically, you can only make up for gaps in your employment history for the last six years. So the sooner you check, the sooner you can correct it, and the sooner you can start paying class two national insurance if you're self-employed. So um, the current state pension is about £185 per week for people my age. So when I am 68, I will qualify 
to get £185 per week if I have the full 35 qualifying years. And what's super interesting is I logged into my husband's pension, um, state pension login, and he had a paper round when he was in his last three years of high school. And those counted as qualifying years because whoever he was doing the paper round for paid him through the pay-as-you-earn system. And he was surprised and very chuffed that these years were qualifying years. He, uh, in the UK, each person qualifies for their state pension independently. There is no allowance for marriage, etc. This used to be the case in the past. So he's entitled to his own state pension and I'm entitled to my own. And we each have our own qualifying years, which would mean that that £185 per week in state pension is double because we would each be getting it. That's about £800 a month or £9,600 a year each. And that's not an insignificant amount. By my calculations, using various blogs, uh, which are in the blog post I, I, I will link to in the show notes, you only need £35 per month for water, about £160 per month for council tax in the average home, um, about £165 per month in a medium-sized house uh, for energy and for uh, for food. Apparently, the average two-adult home spends £375 a month on food. That's 245 on groceries and 130 on eating out, um, which is quite good, actually. Um, and th- this is the average. If you spend more, then you probably want to make plans to have more available. And if you know the state pension is not going to be enough, then it is in your interest to pay into a personal pension or a self-invested personal pension. Or if you're working already, then your employer should be paying pension contributions for you. But there's actually nothing stopping you also paying in addition into a SIP. I have calculated how much you can expect to have when you're 65 if you contribute to a SIP, depending on when you start. So assuming a 7% return on your money, and keep in mind the S&P 500 has returned 10% per annum uh, over over its full history. That's the average return of the S&P 500. So 7% growth is quite conservative. So if inflation is roughly 3% in the long run, this is 4% real growth and 7% gross total growth, including inflation. It's shocking what the numbers are. If you started investing into a SIP, and if that SIP is invested in a diversified fund, starting at the age of 20 would mean you have 1.6 million at the age of 65. If you started five years later at the age of 25, then you would only have 1.1 million at the age of 65. So that's 40 years of compounding. If you start at 30, you'd only have 790,000. This is less than half if you'd started at age 20. So when you start makes a huge difference. If you start at 35 and hence only have 30 years of compounding, you'd only have 540,000 at age 65. If you start at age 40 and you only put the 240 pounds in per month, you'd have 370K at the age of 65. And I should pause here to say that you get tax relief when you put money into a pension. So it's better to put it into the pension pot, the SIP, rather than into, say, an ISA, 
because you don't get tax relief on money put into your ISA. So every £240 you put into your pension pot every month equates to about 300 So over the course of the year, that would be 3600 put into your pension. But you'd only have put in 2880 because the balance to get you to 3600 would come from the government. <clears throat> in these calculations, I have included the government contribution. If you start putting money into your SIP, 240 per month at age 45, you'd have 240K at 65. If you start at 50, you'd have 155K. Huge difference versus the 20-year-old. And if you're self-employed and listening to this and happen to have you know, a teenage son, you have the knowledge to give your son that they should start putting into their pension pot right now. Um, I, because I know this stuff, started putting money into my children's pension when they were age five and I put £100 per month, which equates to 125 with the government relief. So all this to say, please check your entitlement to the state pension. The link is below. And because the state pension would only pay for the basics, if you want a more comfortable lifestyle, please invest in a self-invested pension. And if your advisor, and by the way, this is information only, not advice. If you want to actually take action, please contact a personal financial advisor and they will tell you what you ought to do. But uh, in the ideal world, tell them that you want your money invested in a diversified index fund or mutual fund and you want it to be a passive one, a low cost passive fund rather than an actively managed fund. Your financial advisor will tell you what they think is best for you. But the literature suggests low cost index funds are the best in the long run because they outperform actively managed funds. I hope this was remotely useful and that you will check your pension pot, if nothing else, your state pension pot and your qualifying years. Enjoy and speak soon. Bye. Thank you for listening. I have three things that you can do. Firstly, please give me a five-star review in Apple Podcast. It really helps for people to find this podcast. And if I have not earned your five-star rating, please send me a message and let me know how I can earn your five-star review. Secondly, if you've enjoyed this, share it with a friend that you think is going to benefit. And finally, for some of my writing on personal finance, go to katsonga.com forward slash my books.